0: I came just yesterday. It's made all that I learned. The emptiness of life, examined. I'm Hello out there and welcome to another episode of things i learn while learning other things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Morahan, and my brother JS to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through these high seas of life. This is podcast number 151 in our series. And this is the first edition to what will be our commitment to an episodic historical adventure miniseries devoted to moments in time, notable, prominent instances in history where something remarkable has happened, be it good, bad, horrible, but sufficient that it's remembered two millennia later. You know, for clarity purposes, nothing my brother nor I have ever done or ever will do ever accomplished or will accomplished, will ever be noted and reported 2,000 years from now of that, I am sure, no matter how inflated my ego might seem. Speaking for myself, I am a mere ant in the annals of the historical record. So we now offer you memento number one, and we're operating on the basis of the original intent. Memento, a Latin imperative that ordered people to remember. And we do remember. So just as in 497 BC, the great king of kings, Persian King Darius III, ordered a servant to whisper in his ear three times each night, just as he sat down for a king's dinner, remember the Athenians, whom had recently pissed off the great king, truly offended him, We strongly advocate that in all aspects of one's life, one always should act in accord with the ancient maxim that should one decide to go after the king, well, you go after the king, you need to kill the king because you get one crack at the king. If you fail in your endeavor, only bad things can and will happen. A popular game uh, among Middle Eastern and Arab kings is the game of bull, invented by the French. A rule never to forget when playing bull with a king is this, the king always gets one more ball. This means for you, the game is not going to end well. It just can't. So even if you were a storied Roman politician and general whose father was very rich, very powerful, a very powerful guy, and this latter fact actually can work against you later in life, as as is often seen and depicted in movies, you know, Mario Puzo's or Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather series, when sins of the father often turn out to haunt the son's. So with that long intro, let us now introduce to you at long last, Manius Aquilus, who neglected to take into account the downside risk and the consequences of having failed in his efforts to take down a king. In a weak, weak teaser alert, things would end very poorly for manly Manius Aquilus. Did he deserve such a fate? Well that well that's for you to decide. But we're gonna tell you a story. Now, I I don't and I don't for a moment believe Aquilius was so naively stupid. He didn't perceive that bad things might well await him should he fail in his endeavor to take out the king, who just happened to be Mithridates, who we've been discussing. But there's no way, there's no way Aquilius. He could see coming his way what came his way. Well, how could he? He lacked the imagination of Mithridates. And I must admit, I never would have seen what was coming, coming either. General Aquilius would experience what I submit to you was an unforeseeable six sigma negative outcome when he screwed up. But this is, this is why men like uh, Heinrich Himmler and Hermann Goering, Joseph Goebbels, and Serbius Slobodan Milatovic, they secreted lethal doses of poison on their bodies, in their clothing, to escape the nasty, agonizing fate sure to await them were they to fall into the hands of their extremely hostile, vindictive, highly agitative, you know, vengeful enemies, whom would show them no mercy, and they deserved no mercy. Aquilius screwed up big time. He knew he he'd been there in Rome to witness the return of 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 those conquering generals, entitled by Roman law and custom to what was called a triumph. He knew what awaited a defeated enemy chieftain. He knew having met the formal requirement of destroying a minimum number of hostile enemies and bringing home booty in the form of untold you know values of of gold and jewels these conquerors these returning conquerors to rome were entitled to a parade you know a forerunner to the american tradition of a ticker tape parade through the city um, held for a team that wins the World Series or wins the Super Bowl. You know, a rose pole parade if if you go in that direction. Even Pee Wee Herman loved parades. And in Rome, the conqueror would ride a white horse or proudly stand erect in his adorned chariot. Conqueror's choice. And, and to his everlasting glory, parades passed the assembled crowds basking in the Adoration that comes his way, you know. Driven in front of him are are carts bearing all the riches, jewels, gemstones, gold and silver, and other booty that he has accumulated and won for the glory and the pockets of Rome, its citizens, well, and himself, of course, on battle fronts far from home. And driven in front of him also are the vanquished all those the returning conqueror has captured and enslaved in war rather than killed. Most importantly, there is a most prized possession in chains, in fetters, and, and perhaps locked even in a cage, the conquered enemy's head of state or leading general, displayed for amusement the an amazement and the pure enjoyment of the assembled cheering throngs of Roman citizens present, who've shown up to honor their warrior hero, hero, and and whom do so enjoy a parade. I mean, it's a circus, but really, they really get off on berating, insulting, mocking, and humiliating the captured enemy leader as he is slowly trundled past the screaming, jeering, cheering crowds, assembled for just such a purpose. What, What a great day. And the cherry on top? At parade's end, the prized, vanquished enemy leader, king, would then be strangled to death. Just a part of a triumph. You know, Elvis has left the building. Aquilius had to know all this. How did he screw up so badly that he would wind up in the hands of a very angry king of Pontus, Mithridates, who who so loved theatricality, loved drama. He loved the big show. He was a uh, pre-modern Ed Sullivan featuring the Beatles. I mean, how could all this happen? So let us begin in the beginning. Well, of course, there is no beginning to anything. In life, in this world, everything has been influenced by something else that has come before. You know, enhe logos, kai logos. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. I think those are the first words of the New Testament, the Gospel of St. John, I think. I mean, I, I used to study all that stuff back when I was 14, and that, that I assure you, was a long time ago, but I think I'm right about that. But the beginning of the end for Manius Aquilius began when Rome sent the consul, sent Manius Aquilius to Asia Minor as an ambassador to help restore to the throne of Bithynia Nicomedes IV, whom had been expelled from his lands, Bithynia, by, by Mithridates, the king of Pontus. And by 80, 89 BC, Mithridates had sought to expand his empire by consolidating all of Asia Minor. Think of, you know, Anatolia and modern Turkey. That's what was under his rule. Hence, the unseating of Nicomedes. And Aquilius, in his early ambassadorial role, his efforts had proven quite effective in arranging terms by which Nicomedes, regained his throne and was restored to power in Bithynia. So this ought to have been problem solved, return home. But no, 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 no. Aquilius had other plans, other dreams, and later when the Roman Senate would learn just what Aquilius was up to, what he had done without prior Senate approval, and was well beyond the scope of his authority, the Senate was embarrassed on behalf of Rome. Shock, dismayed, and very angry. Yes, the Roman Senate was. And Aquilius had placed Rome in a very embarrassing position, caused the Republic much shame, and the Senate was very, very alarmed at the chain of events that Aquilius had set in motion when he, without prior Senate approval, successfully blackmailed a hesitant Nicomedes not to be content with having regained his throne in Bithynia, but to invade Pontic territory ruled by Mithridates. Oh my God. Nic- and, and and Nicomedes did this. He had, and he had a force of only uh, less than 5,000 troops when he invaded Pontus from the west. Well, Quintus Opius, the Roman governor of Cilicia, in a jackal-like move that Benito Mussolini would have appreciated, he decided to try to take advantage of the situation by inviting, uh, invading Pontus from the south with less than 10,000 men. Oh, I have a feeling this is not going to end well. No, it doesn't. And this coordinated but ill-conceived, uh, poorly executed, ineffectual but aggressive without provocation, attack upon Pontic lands, enraged, infuriated Mithridates, whom responded to the two-pronged invasion by unleashing his own force of 100,000 men in defense of his home to- territory, and why not? They were together, they were winning, and he kept right on going to sweep through all of Asia Minor. He smote it all in front of him to the great embarrassment Uh, chagrin, and the horror of Rome. And out of both embarrassment and alarm, Rome had no choice now but to respond in bellicose fashion to Mithridates' response to Nicomedes' aggressions due Manius Aquilius. And they declared war on Mithridates. And this was the start of what is known to history as the First Mithridatic War. You know, which, which which, general the Roman Senate would select to, to lead its legionnaires in the war to punish Mithridates. And what transpired when those hostile forces met on the battlefield will be addressed in further episodes of our Mithridates podcast series. But our focus today is restricted to defining the hunt for and the punishment of Manius Aquilius after he had so insanely, foolishly decided to take on a king of the legendary ferocity of Mithridates, and then failed miserably in his misguided effort to topple him. In a present day analogy, um, perhaps some of you will will appreciate this. What happened to Manius Aquilius is like watching Rip take bad guys to the strain, train station. Aquilius will be just as dead as the guy's rip ta- takes to the train station, but the ride, if you will, of Aquilius will involve exponentially higher levels of drama and, and what I'm going to say are logarithmically increased levels of spellbinding horror and unimaginable suffering. you <laughs> know, as has been said many, many times before, those were the days, my friend, I thought they'd never end. So back to Nicomedes' ill-fated invasion of Pontus. The results were soon seen in coming, and not surprising. No, they were not. And this, and this is where we're going to end episode one of our Memento, Moments in Time series, You've you've heard probably of the hunt for Red October. Well, when we return in Memento Number Two, we will be discussing the hunt for Manius Aquilus and how he enjoyed his trip to the train station, Meta- metaphorically speaking, of course. Buckle up, because it's going to be quite a ride. Hey, thanks for listening, and hope you'll tune in again. Saturday. All that I know is it's been quite a ride